Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Moosehead. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Well, another weekend, and that means another episode of the Pipeline Show. Welcome to the program, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming. If you are a newcomer to the show, then welcome aboard. But if you're a returning listener, then uh, thanks for coming back and uh, downloading another episode as we uh, continue on now with uh, Season 16 of the program. Started back in 2006. We actually have a little bit of a look back uh, coming up uh, later on in this episode. I'll tell you what that's going to look like in a little bit, but Mentioned that uh, for those who have signed up to be patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show, I appreciate uh, everybody that is chipping in a little bit there as well. We always start with the uh, question of the week, or most often we do, and this week I did post one uh, earlier today. A fairly simple one, just uh, looking for some feedback from uh, the audience in regards to uh, the guests that you hear on the program. Everybody's got their favorites, and maybe there's somebody that you like that I've had on in the past that I haven't had on for a while. So that that's basically the question, is uh, who haven't you heard from a while that you think I need to get back on the show? Maybe it's somebody that's never been on. could be somebody completely off my uh, radar. So if uh, if you know somebody that uh, likes to cover junior or college hockey and is well-versed in uh, on both subjects or on either one, let me know who that is, and maybe I can get that person on uh, in an upcoming show. Did get a couple of replies. Uh, I just put the question up a few minutes ago, and hard to disagree with Kevin, although there's not much I can do about this. He says, I don't care how many times they've been on, but my two favorite guests are Pete Lubardius and Sam Cosentino. And yeah, they're two of my favorites as well. Uh, I did just have Sam on a couple of weeks ago, in fact, on the season 15 finale, and uh, Pete Lubardius. Well, I know he was busy because of the Calgary Flames in the uh, NHL playoffs, but now that the Flames are uh, done, uh, perhaps it will be time to circle around and uh, grab Lou again uh, for uh, an upcoming show. Great idea. And if you've got more like that to send them my way, you can follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. As far as news and notes, really nothing happening as everybody is still waiting to uh, really see when uh, leagues will start up again, we have the tentative dates uh, for most of the leagues. We uh, mentioned that on uh, last week's show. I did uh, cruise through the CHL's website here this morning and uh, picked up the, well, just the one story, really, about uh, how many uh, CHL alums are still playing in the 2020 NHL playoffs. 
pretty impressive number, actually. 136 still left, just spread out across the eight teams who are still remaining. The breakdown, the Boston Bruins have uh, 15 players. They've got a maximum of 31 players on their rosters right now. So Boston and Colorado with 15, that's half their team are CHL guys. Uh, The Dallas Stars have 16 CHLers. So do the Philadelphia Flyers and the Vancouver Canucks. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Lightning and uh, the New York Islanders have 19 CHL guys. And the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, with the most, they have 20 former Canadian Hockey League players on their roster. But nothing really uh, newsworthy happening out of the Canadian Hockey League uh, at the moment, unless I've missed it. Uh, But uh, in the NCAA, all the question is, you know, when are we going to see uh, teams getting back together? And I guess there's informal workouts happening. I know a lot of the programs are posting pictures of uh, the ice going back in. So, you know, they're going to be skating and they, I mean, they're getting ready just in case. But uh, Adam Oden, friend of the uh, of the program from College Hockey News, he's got a, a new story up at College Hockey News called The Path Back and uh, how and when College Hockey can return. And again, like he uh, posted back in... Uh, what was it? April and May. It does. It's it's not a rosy future. It's not uh, particularly optimistic. Still hard to see anything happening uh, before January. But uh, I did reach out to somebody else that uh, covers college hockey uh, exclusively, and uh, he said uh, pretty much the same thing. He thinks 50-50 that there's uh, college hockey before the end of November, and of course December is basically the Christmas break, so you wouldn't start then. I wouldn't think. Uh, so that again pushes it to January. So. Not looking very hopeful, and uh, I really feel for the players and the coaches who are involved because they want to play, and the players, the athletes themselves, are going to be missing a lot of development time, and you wonder how much that's going to hurt them in the long run. All the guests that you hear on the program join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, and exciting times. The tap room's been open again for a little while now, and uh, if you're in Red Deer or you're heading through Red Deer, you might want to stop by the tap room, let them know the Pipeline Show sent you. And you can try out some of the new ones, uh, new brews that they have, uh, including the Made in the Shade. I just picked up a new order, new supply of Troubled Monk to get me through the uh, next little while. And uh, it's beautiful. It's a, uh, I'll read the description for you. The flavor is mostly raspberry with a light multi-linger. The berries provide an unmistakable aroma and a subtle hint of tartness to the finish. It's beautiful. I had, uh, had one uh, just last night. It's fantastic. Recommended a lot. And also picked up um, the first... Uh, First time I've been able to grab the Epitaph Blue Gin, so we're going to try that this weekend as well. It's not just beer. They have the Adequate Vodka and the Saskatoon Liqueur. Another kind of gin as well, the Epitaph Gin uh, Berry Blossom, which I haven't tried. So we'll uh, put that on the list for down the road. But uh, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, and uh, all my guests are entitled to a free pint at the tap room as well. And just cruising over to uh, Pro Stock Hockey's uh, Twitter feed. That's at Pro Stock Hockey. I uh, see they got uh, new goal equipment in from the Detroit Red Wings, including gloves and blockers and chest protectors. Uh, also recently, sticks from the New Jersey Devils, including uh, Taylor Hall's old stuff, uh, P.K. Subans, Wayne Simmons. Uh, so you might want to check that out. ProStockHockey.com is where you can uh, find out all the information on that. And their uh, Twitter feed is at Pro Stock Hockey. Let's get to the guest list for this week's show. Uh, three guests that you're going to hear from. A pair of them are 2020 Draft Spotlight segment. And then the segment that will end things off uh, is a uh, it's a fun one, especially if you're a longtime uh, listener of the Pipeline show. But we'll uh, begin with uh, two guys who 
Remember the last couple of shows I've had uh, scouts on telling me I asked for a uh, a six-man list of their uh, personal favorites for the 2020 draft, and uh, both of these guys got mentioned. Uh, we'll start with Brock Faber, who was a defenseman with the U.S. National Development Team last season uh, and is already uh, practicing with the Minnesota Golden Gophers, uh, hoping that this season gets underway. So well, let's begin things off with him. Really great interview. One of the best 2020 draft spotlights uh, segments that I've had the pleasure of doing this year. Really well-spoken individual. Liked him a lot. From Brock Faber, we'll move on to another eligible player, and that is Ozzy Weisblatt of the Prince Albert Raiders. I know a lot of people really like Ozzy for the way he plays on the ice and a really inspirational uh, off-ice story that goes along with Ozzy as well. And uh, we'll close things out today with a uh, conversation I had recently with uh, my former partner here on the Pipeline Show, Dean Millard, guy I started the program with uh, back in 2006. I'll tell you what he's been doing as of late. He's got a brand new show as well. So we'll catch up with Dino to wrap things up on this week's episode. But let's kick things off with uh, Brock Faber as we turn on the 2020 Draft Spotlight for the first of two consecutive segments next here on the Pipeline Show. Tia Samuelson left point. Gruden around on the right side. 1-0 U18. Stasky walks the line. Took the shot right on goal. They score! Farabee put in the rebound. And Farabee gives his grandmother a birthday present. It's 2-0. Hey, it's Joel Farabee from Team USA, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. He is a midnight mover. He can go on in the side. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Drive Turkey is a little over the line, my man. Back on the Pipeline Show, we'll begin this week's episode with a uh, 2020 draft spotlight segment. In the last couple of weeks, I've had a bunch of scouts on from various independent uh, scouting agencies out there and asked them for some of their personal favorites. And then I also asked them about a guy that they think is maybe overrated. Well, my next guest didn't fall into that latter category. Uh, he was definitely. Uh, named a couple of times as uh, a personal favorite, maybe even a sleeper uh, for some scouts. To be joined now by Brock Faber. Brock, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you making the time. W- what is this time like for you right now? As I know all the junior leagues and the college hockey is so very much a, a question mark on, on when things are going to be starting. But being a guy that's headed to college, are you around campus yet? What, where are you at? Yeah, so... Um... You know, being from Minnesota and planning on going to the University of Minnesota next year, um, I'm actually living at home right now. We're not allowed to move on campus quite yet, but um, I've been down there basically uh, Monday through Friday uh, for about two, three months now, just, you know, working out, skating with the guys. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of been about it so far, I think. Um, you know, everything's up in the air, like you said. Um, but, yeah, you know, just trying to trying to focus on – um, 
you know, get, just uh, getting myself game ready for, for whenever, whenever the season starts. So now the sheet I'm looking at says Maple Grove, Minnesota. Is that, is that hometown for you? Yep. Yep. So for those, uh, including me who don't know, uh, the geography of, uh, Minnesota on the, like the back of my hand, how far from, uh, mm-hmm. uh Mariucci Arena is that for you? Um, it's actually only about, uh, 25-ish miles north of it. So. Oh, well, that's easy. Um, not, not, yeah. Yeah. No, not a, not a bad drive in every, every morning. So it takes about 25, 30 minutes to get there. So. Um, yeah, been pretty, pretty fortunate with that. So. so even if this was a regular year under regular circumstances, would you still just make that commute? Would you live at home or, while you're going to university or do you plan on eventually living on campus? Yeah, um, I, I plan on, uh, eventually living on, on campus during the, during the summer, there was supposed to be a, a summer school, a little two month program, um, where, you know, all the guys moved down there. Um, whether it's in the dorm, the the hockey house, apartments, wherever guys are living, um, you know, to take classes and you know, like I said, to to train and um and practice and stuff. But obviously with COVID, I was canceled. So mm-hmm. um, you know, at, right now it's kind of everyone's just everyone that's able to to go goes, and um, you know, when when we're able to move into wherever we're going, um, then 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 that's kind of the start of things. So. Okay, and when do classes start, and is that all of that online? Yep, everything's. I'd say the majority, about ninety-five percent of it, will be online. Um, for the first two weeks of school, everything's online with all classes. So um, that and that is set to sched uh, to start on schedule, which is September eighth, I believe. So interesting. Well, pretty pretty uh, confusing year, I guess we could call it that, uh, for lack yeah. of a better term. Yeah, but seriously. How, I, sure. how are you feeling about it right now? Is it just weird? You kind of have to go with the flow a bit, but there was so much uncertainty. It's got to be a little unsettling, too, at the same time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Obviously, not knowing when, you know, when my next hockey game is going to be is obviously tough, but, um, you know, everyone's everyone's kind of in it in the same boat yeah. as I am, so um, you know, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a bit unsettling, not knowing, but uh, at the same time, you know, I've, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, be on the ice, um, you know, skiing with my team, working out with, with the guys. So, um, yeah, who knows, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, I'm just, I'm just excited for, for this to kind of pass over and for, for hockey to, you know, be back. So, yeah, we all want that to happen. Worst case scenario, there isn't a season or it doesn't start until January or, you know, sometime in 2021. Yeah. The, you got to be concerned about in terms of just hockey development and staying sharp and not losing. It's almost like, and you, I mean, you said everybody's in the same boat. It's almost like everybody's yeah. got like a broken femur or something and you can't play. And so <laughs> it's almost like coming back yeah. from a long-term injury, isn't it? Yeah. It, I mean, you know, you can only do so much, you know, with training and, um, you know, being on the ice, it's, uh, you can, you can obviously with like small area games, things like that, you know, conditioning, it's, um, it's always close, but it's never the same as like mid, you know, mid season shape. So, um, you know, I think just trying to be as close to, um, ready as, as possible for me and for obviously every other guy that's playing at the same level or wherever, um, is probably the most important right now. And, um, you know, just like I said, being ready when 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 time when the time comes. So Brock Faber, uh, my guest, plays for will play for the University of Minnesota, the Golden Gophers. Last season played 
for the U18 squad with the uh, national development team. Uh, I know that's got to feel like a long time ago now, but when you look back at this past year, uh, how do you feel about the way things uh, went for you on the ice? Not, you know, how it ended, but yeah. uh, while you were playing, how do you feel about the year? I, you know, I think overall it was a, it was an awesome year. I think, um, you know, our team, you know, took strides from the, from the, for our first year, to the second year, we, um, you know, the, the way we played, just the way we bought into the system, the, uh, the brotherhood, everything just grew. And, you know, we kind of started to click there, um, towards the middle of the season and, um, everything was rolling, everything was going great. And, um, you know, obviously it was an awesome season. We played in the championship and, uh, in every international tournament we played in. And, um, so overall an awesome year, great year, best, you know, best experience of my life, uh, going to the program and, uh, meeting those guys, the coaching staff, everything. Uh, it was awesome. It was awesome yep. for sure. And everybody's disappointed they missed out on the playoffs and and things like that. But for for the guys involved yeah. uh, in the program and on the U18 squad, I mean, you're building for two years to get to the World U18s uh, at the yeah. uh, you know in in late April, and to have that uh, pulled away, that's that's got to be something I'm sure you're still a little bitter about. Yeah, for sure. I think, like you said, for the whole two years, that was that was what we were building towards. That was you know the end goal was you know, winning a, winning a gold medal at uh, U18 Worlds and obviously not being able to do that was, was very tough. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, all the guys, you know, including myself, I think we're all just, you know, using that as uh, motivation. I think, um, you know, we never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen next. But um, just, just using that to drive you and remembering that, you know, that feeling uh, when you first realized it was canceled. Um, like I said, just just motivation for for the years to come for for all of us. So now, no NHL combine. We do know there will be the draft and and when it's going to be. At least we know that now. Uh, but the way this is mm-hmm. dragged out for months and months, it it almost feels. And I, maybe you can tell me from your perspective, but it's almost like a marathon. This season has just gone on forever, and that finish line uh, at the draft. Yeah, I imagine you're anxious to get it. Uh, enjoy the day, but be nice when it's done mm-hmm. too. Yeah, for sure. You know, obviously something I always look forward to ever since I started playing hockey was, you know, hopefully getting drafted one day. And um, with that right around the corner here, obviously it's it's exciting. I, you know, I'm excited for the day, but, um, you know, I, I think for me personally, it's um, after that, it's, you know, everything's off the table, you know, wherever you're drafted. I think um, everyone basically has the same equal opportunity to make it to that next level. So, uh, you know, this is just stepping stone, obviously super exciting and enjoy the moment, but, um, you know, just staying motivated and not, you know, being satisfied with, you know, getting drafted or wherever it uh, is, you know, what I'm going to try and focus on for, for the months to come. So kind of get robbed of the whole combine experience though. And the draft, I, I don't know what the the form, what kind of a form the uh, draft will take, whether it's all online or if uh, you'll get to go to, to Montreal or whatever, but um, not having yeah, that same yeah. experience as everybody else, that's disappointing. Although, hey, 15, 20, 30 years from now, you can look back and say, uh, yeah, that w- I was the COVID draft uh, that year. You, you, yeah. So you're kind of having a, yeah, a unique for experience. Sure. For sure, yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, I think probably the only time this, this will ever happen. So, um, you know, just trying to enjoy the moment, trying to, um, you know, take the positives out of it. Um, you know, is what is what I, I'm sure all the guys are trying to do, and you know, me included. So, 
um, you know, look, really looking forward to it. Super excited. So, um, you know, can't wait for the, for the day to come. 12 points this past season uh, in 46 games. Uh, three of those were goals. Uh, maybe for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, can you give us a, a bit of a self-scouting report? Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, I see myself as a, as a 2A, 2A D man. I think uh, whether it's, you know, a, a puck moving guy two ways, you know, I, those kind of fit hand in hand in, in my head. I think, um, you know, for me, I'm not the most flashy offensive guy. Um, and I really do focus on, you know, the defensive side of my game, whether it's, you know, angling, gapping, um, uh, you know, battles off the wall, pins, stalls, things like that. Just, um, you know, the more defensive side breakouts, um, whatever it is, those are things that I really think are the strengths of my game. Um, and things that I use, you know, use, um, you know, to the best of my ability for, uh, you know, it gets opponents. I think for, for me, I obviously want to add some more, some more offense into my game, but uh, I think, you know, I'm going to stick to my strengths, use, you know, my skating, like I said, angling, gapping, things like that. And, um, I'd say, I'd say that's the, the scouting report. So your ideal defensive pairing, do you want somebody that has more of an offensive game to, to their uh, side so that you can spend a little bit more time defensively or, or would you prefer to be uh, counted on more for the offense? What would be the most comfortable partner for you? You know, I think it, it depends. I think, you know, I, 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 to be honest, I think I'd be comfortable with either. I think, you know, playing at the program, I was put with, with more offensive guys or more defensive guys. And, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, through communication and whatever it is that, um, I, I'd feel comfortable really with either, you know, trying to, trying to focus more offensively or, um, being looked upon as more of a defensive guy, whatever it is, um, I feel I I feel that I'd be uh, just as comfortable. So I have to ask you why uh, the Golden Gophers was the right program for you. Now, uh, when I've talked to Minnesota guys before, it's always been well. I grew up in Minnesota. That's a team everybody grows up watching. But really, the last decade or so, it's been the Duluth Bulldogs that have been the uh, the stronger program. Yeah. I know that's a an arch rival out of conference now, but uh, still an yeah. interstate rival. Uh, so why was being a Gopher yeah. the right fit for you? Uh, you know, for me, it's kind of like you said. Honestly, I think um, ever since I started playing hockey, I was I was at the games every Friday and Saturday. Um, you know, sold out building at Mary UT was you know something that I always wanted to play for and. Um, you know, now that now that it's right here, obviously in different circumstances with COVID and everything, but um, I'm super excited, and you know that's how. Yeah, like I said, that's kind of the main reason I, I grew up here in Minnesota. Um, grew up, you know, one of the biggest Gopher fans. Hundred of go, hundreds of you know Gopher jerseys in my in my closet. Mm-hmm. So um, that was that was always the goal, and um. You know, like I said, super excited for it to for it to come true. Now, a lot of freshmen will have to uh, sort of bide their time and and put up with maybe a year of not getting as much ice time as you'd like and all that. And especially with a a deep program or a uh, a program that has lots of talented players, do you expect going into Minnesota this year that you're going to be a you know a guy who is relied on a lot more than the uh, maybe the average uh, freshman that comes in, or do you maybe anticipate you might have to be, have a little bit more patience? No, I don't, you know, I don't know right now. I think, um, obviously I, I, I believe everything's earned. Um, so, you know, going in as a, as a, as a freshman, I think, um, you know, there's guys, you know, upperclassmen that have, um, you know, been, been with the program a lot longer than myself. And, 
Um, you know, for me, I think, like I said, just earning my ice time, earning trust in the coaching staff is what I'm going to try and do. And just, you know, mostly just, you know, putting the, putting the team success in front of mine is, um, something that is obviously huge coming in as a freshman. Um, and you know, I, I think, uh, whatever happens happens and, um, I'm just excited to to get to work here. So well, that's a great attitude. Uh, I wanted to ask you about draft rankings, and if you're a guy who spent much time looking to see, you know, where does Central Scouting have you ranked and things like that, or any of the independent ones, does it matter to you where you're ranked or w- even where you're taken in the draft? I don't think there's much doubt that you're going to be drafted. You're going to be drafted eventually. Just a matter of of when. Does it really matter? Um, you know, for me, I think. Um, First off, with the rankings, it was there's nothing that I you know really, really ever looked at or or read into or um, you know I think I just try to focus on my game, focus on you know you know the team and um, I think with the with wherever you get drafted, I think you know like I said, obviously um, I want to get drafted and wh- whatever it is, first second round, but um, at the end of the day, after the day after the draft, everyone's on a on a you know equal slate if you know what i mean just you know the the work begins after that so um you know like we've what like we've talked about the whole time i'm super excited for the day to come super excited to get drafted uh wherever it is um or whenever it is but uh you know at the at the same time it's it's just a, a stepping stone to to get to the next level so all right did you have a favorite team growing up being a minnesota guy was it the wild or did being in ann arbor did the red wings uh start to rub off on you or do you have a favorite team uh you know for me it was obviously growing up in minnesota i was a i was a wild fan but um you know these past two years i've kind of kind of you know found different teams around the league watching all all hockey all teams are um you know, I love watching just, I just love, love watching the game. You know, the game's my favorite team. So, um, I just, you know, for me, I don't really have a, have a favorite team right now, but, um, come after, after whatever October, I'll, I'll definitely have a, have a new favorite team. So <laughs> safe to say, uh, Brock, listen, I really appreciate the time. I enjoyed this conversation a lot. Uh, best of luck this coming year. Hopefully we are, we're seeing you on the ice sooner as opposed to later. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much for for having me on. I appreciate it. That's Brock Faber, now with the Minnesota Golden Gophers, but last season played with the U.S. National Development Squad, the uh, U18 team. And, uh, man, I told you before, uh, that was awesome. He did a really great job, really comfortable. And, uh, you know, I talked to him afterwards for a little bit and just said, uh, you know, it sounds like you've done a ton of these. He said, not a lot of podcasts. He's done lots of interviews, obviously, but... Not a lot of podcasts, so uh, I'm a bit surprised by that. Uh, but man, if if you were to rank players for the draft uh, just in order of how they do in an interview, uh, he's a he's a top ten guy for sure. Maybe even top five that I've had on uh, this year who are 2020 draft eligible players. Really impressed with him. And you know, I I've heard other uh, people talking about it too. You kind of have to avoid allowing that to color your perception of a player when, you know, if you're a scout, which again, I am not a scout, but if you're a guy who has watched a lot of a particular player and well, you see some pros and you see some cons or you see some uh, things you like and see some flaws in a person's game. And then you talk to them and you really like them as a, as a person, his personality comes across, maybe it colors or it skews your overall uh, projection of a player because you like the guy. And 
I guess there can be risk to that. Uh, but I think there's also something to be said about character and what a guy is going to be like in your dressing room. Hard to tell for sure what that looks like or how that comes across uh, just from a 15, 20-minute interview. But just from that, if I was a team and I heard that interview, I'd like to hear more from him. And I'd look more into Brock Faber. Uh, I'm sure NHL teams uh, know him very well uh, to this point. But uh, I will be interested to see where uh, Faber goes on draft day, another guy who's eligible for the upcoming draft is Ozzy Weisblatt of the Prince Albert Raiders. He's in the 2020 draft spotlight next here on the Pipeline Show. Minnesota selects as the first pick in the 1988 entry draft from Prince Albert, Mike Medano. Hey, this is former Prince Albert Raider Mike Medano, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Go Raiders, go! Go Raiders, go! The green, white, and gold team is Go Raiders, go! We take on the roughest and welcome the toughest, but the song in Prince Albert is Go Raiders, go! There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job, so we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hello there. Back on the Pipeline show, we go from one 2020 draft spotlight to, to another one. And another guy who was uh, mentioned as uh, a personal favorite for some of the scouts that I had on over the last couple of weeks, Ozzy Weisblatt from the Prince Albert Raiders. Welcome to the program, Ozzy. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you making the time, especially considering you were just telling me off the air you had some uh, some interesting uh, dental issues uh, this past summer. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, it's not nothing big, but just a uh with some teeth infection, but I'm all good now. So well, that's gotta suck. Painful? Like how long does that uh, go on for? Um, it was it was about a I don't know a week and a half of kind of agony, but uh, next to, I kind of got some meds for it, and uh, I'm all good now. So let's look back at this past season, Ozzy, uh, and I, I know the way it ended was not the way anybody wanted the season to end. But uh, when you look back at this past year, 70 points in 64 games for you, including 25 goals. You gotta be pretty happy with that, no? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely lucky to have, um, some really good teammates and, uh, coaching staff that, that trusted me and, uh, let me use my skill set. And, um, yeah, I, I think that with TA, I, I just happened to be in a re- really lucky spot with, um, great people surrounding me. So I'm definitely lucky. Well, defending, uh, WHL champs and, uh, we're on pace to, you know, be in contention once again. Uh, to have that uh, pulled out from underneath you and not have a playoff season at all. Where were you when uh, you got the news? Uh, you and the Raiders were where at home or on the road? Uh, yeah, we were we were at home, but um, I think there's uh, some rumors going around that 
the season might be uh, coming to a stop. So um, I think we stayed in, in PA for about a week, just kind of waiting to, to see what the league said. And uh, we finally got the, the news. Uh, we had a little team meeting and um, it, it, it was definitely hard to hear. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely feel bad for the 20-year-olds that, you know, aren't able to go back at it and try and win a championship. So it's definitely unfortunate for them. And uh, we wish we could have brought back another championship for them and uh, the rest of um, the organization. So it's very tough. Uh, for sure. Now, it's been five months. So it probably feels like a lifetime ago at this point. But how how have you kept yourself busy over the last five months in terms of, of you know, be, staying in hockey condition and, and trying to further your development still? That's got to be a challenge. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we took about a month off when we got back, and um, you know, I'm I'm lucky to have uh, an awesome trainer and crash conditioning, and also work a little bit with Steve Sardacni. So um, they're two really good, really good develop developmental guys for myself and uh, for where I want to be. And I mean, it's, it's obviously really easy for myself to keep busy with the Somi brothers. Um, so it's, it's been pretty easy to have some company and uh, have some fun at the same time too. So I was going to ask if it, if you felt that was an advantage having OSHA and Orca and Oasis as well to to train with off ice. And have you been able to get some ice time as well together? Yeah, I mean we we skated a couple times together, and I think whenever you you get all four of us out there, I think um, there's definitely going to be some arguments and um, some fights on the ice. <laughs> but I think that. You know, we're, we're four, four guys that are super competitive and, um, push each other to, to want to be to the next, want to, want to get to the next level there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, we've, we've grown up, uh, very competitive family and, and it only, it only ramps up, uh, the older we get. So. Uh, it's a great family story. Uh, I was just watching the Sportsnet feature that uh, they did on you a little while ago. We'll get to that in a minute, but um, I want to get to get to know you a little bit more as well. And take me back to the Bantam draft. Uh, the the Prince Albert Raiders took you 25th overall. That's uh, early second round uh, in the uh, the draft that year. What was draft day like for you? I've talked to a lot of players who were able to to stay home from school that day, or uh, other guys were following along on their phones at school. Uh, what was it like for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely convinced my mom to let me miss a day of school, and uh, of course she let me. But um, I, I think it was it, it was a pretty unique experience. I think that um, going into the draft, I think you you really have no idea where where you're gonna go and um, all that. And uh, when I when I saw my name get uh, called by Prince Albert, I think that you know, I didn't know too much about the organization and um, I went for a visit and uh, I think I instantly fell in love with it and um, it's, it's been the best uh, two years of my life so far and uh, I really can't wait to get back out there. So. Well, a great way to start uh, in your in your rookie year, you are a WHL champion. Uh, that's almost setting the bar pretty high for uh, what comes after uh, your rookie season, but at the same time, man, you must have learned a lot last year, a lot more than other rookies do just because of going so deep, having all that experience, you couldn't have uh, scripted a better start to your WHL career. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you could have. And I think that, you know, I'm I'm also really lucky to have um, the type of players we had. I think that, you know, I, 
we have a we have a couple guys in the A right now and from that team and um some guys that kind of split time in the NHL this year and, and Noah Gregor. So I think that um I'm definitely very, very lucky to to have that type of team and um those kinds of role models for me and um we we all still t- stay in touch to this day, so um, I think that tells you how special the team that was. Ozzy Weisblatt, my guest, plays for the Prince Albert Raiders out of the Western Hockey League and uh, one of the uh, the top-ranked players out of the WHL for the 2020 draft. Uh, tell me about your role for the Raiders. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the 70 points, so you're one of the offensive leaders of the team. But outside of the stats line, what do you feel like is your job for the team, even just specifically on your line? I, I think that... Um as I get older now, I think that being a, being a good teammate and a good leader right now is something I'm really trying to improve on. And, um, you know, being someone that, you know, not only that the 16 year olds kind of look at for, for advice or maybe for help, I think that, you know, I want to, I want to be that guy that, um, people can go to for anything, uh, no matter if it's, it's good or bad. I think that, you know, I, I want to be a guy that, um, anybody can go to for help. So, um, and I think, I think on me, I think a little bit of the same. I think that, you know, I'm obviously, um, a highly skilled forward, but I think that I also have some grittiness to my game where, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll go in the corners and dig out for pucks. And, um, I, I think that everybody kind of needs to have that role at the same time. So, uh, now, uh, the sheet I'm looking at says five, five ten and uh, about 180, 185 pounds. What are you at right now? Uh, I'm about the same, uh, right now. I wish I, I wish I could say I'm 5'11", but not quite. <laughs> All right. On a bad hair day, maybe. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I've, uh, I'm one of the broadcasters in the WHL, so I, I'm spoiled. I get to see you guys play. Um, but for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and, and I've talked to scouts about you as well, one of the things that always comes up is the description is like your motor never stops running. You're, you're not the biggest guy in the world, but you're really tenacious. Uh, on the four check, and you, and you mentioned it yourself. You got that gritty side of your game. Is that all by design? Is I mean, does that come naturally for you, or are you of the mindset where you're like, I'm not six two and two hundred and ten pounds, but I can't get pushed around, so I got to play mean. Uh, is is there some of that in there as well? Yeah, I think so. But I I think that for myself, I've I've never been the biggest guy on the team. But I think one one thing you can control is how hard you work and um. I do take pride in how hard I work um, on and off the ice. I think that um, no matter if you're five seven or six four, I think that you know if if you're scared out, out there, I don't think uh, you you can play. So hmm. um, that's that's definitely something that um, I take the pride and um, it's something I'm, I'm still going to be doing for the rest of my career. So. Now, with the NHL draft, at least now we finally know when the draft is going to be. But I mean, it's already two or three months late. Uh, does it almost feel like you're you're running a bit of marathon here in that finish line? Uh, it'll be nice when you can finally cross it and put the draft behind you. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been been a, a weird experience with you know dates constantly being changed and you know at the start of the year being excited for uh, maybe going to the draft and the combine and and all that, but. I also think that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really good year for, for myself to take advantage of all the time that we have and, um, 
I think that you just, you can't really let any any seconds uh, go to waste, and you know you'll you'll see who who's been putting the work and who hasn't uh, come come the opening of the season. So um, I think it's a it's an awesome chance for me to kind of separate myself. So mm-hmm. uh, it's been a, a really big summer. Ozzy, have you, are you a guy that's uh, always looking to see where you're ranked, or do you try to put that to the back of your head and, and not think about the draft at all? Yeah, I think. Uh, at the start, I was really into, you know, seeing where I'm ranked and, and all that. But I think that, you know, after the season's done, you, you can't control anything and what happens kind of happens. Um, so I, I think that, you know, I'm just trying to interview well and, uh, showcase myself, uh, well. And, and I think that's all you can do right now. And, um, yeah, just, just stay, uh, stay positive through it all. And speaking of interviews, I know teams have been reaching out to players a lot over the last three or four months. Uh, how many How many teams have you chatted with? Um, I've, I've chatted with, uh, I believe, 31 teams now. <laughs> so all of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's got to be pretty flattering. Uh, did you get, you know, when you, if you were at the combine, you'd get some weird questions just to kind of throw in your way to see how you would answer them. Same way when you're doing it online like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some weird questions, but I think there's um, a lot of cool questions and kind of questions that put you on the spot and don't give you much time to think. So I think that, you know, it's been really cool for me to experience kind of high pressure interviews, I guess you could say. And, um, so I think just being yourself and, uh, not being someone you're not on the interviews is probably the most important thing. I think that, you know, I, whoever do ask me, I want to, I want them to know what they're going to get. And, um, yeah, I just want to be myself. Now you mentioned you're uh, you have three brothers and you also have a sister as well. Does she play? No, she doesn't. She hates hockey. <laughs> she <Yeah>. hates hockey. <laughs> yeah, she, she's been around the rink so much that it's tough to drag her along these days. But um, she's she's interested in other sports. So okay, uh, what's the age differences uh, between you? You're you're the third uh, of the four boys, correct? Yeah, and then uh, my younger brother is sixteen, and then my sister's twelve. Yeah, Oasis plays for the Medicine Hat Tigers and uh, Orcas with the uh, Calgary Hitmen, and and Ocean just wrapped up with the uh, the uh, Yorkton Terriers, correct? The Portage Terriers. Oh, Portage Terriers. Sorry, I knew it was one of the Terriers. But uh, so his junior eligibility is done. Did he? Uh, do you know if he's off to uh, school? Um, we're not we're not sure yet. I think that he's just kind of looking at um, who's interested in him and uh, kind of just taking it one day at a time, I guess. So. Um, He's not too sure yet. Okay. Did, was the age group or the age difference enough that uh, you never got to play with any of your brothers growing up, like in minor hockey, or did you actually uh, get to uh, have that experience? Um, I usually, uh, a couple times I played a year up um, with Orca, so he's, he's the only brother that I've played any competitive games with. I see. And I know you got to play against each other uh, this past season, well, in the last couple of seasons, I would guess. That, that's got to be fun. Yeah, it's it's super super cool and I guess a little weird, but um, it's 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 cool and um, to see where he's come from and how hard he's worked. I think that it's uh, it's awesome to see uh, how how good he's doing right now and um, 
hopefully has a, a, a really good year next year. So uh, it's going to be exciting, exciting to see. Well, and you talked about you you, got, you said you a very competitive family. So uh, when you guys uh, cross paths on the ice, I, I don't imagine there's uh, you know you're not holding back at all. Uh, what about when you get to play against Oasis? Have you, you played against Medicine Hat when he's in the lineup yet? No, I haven't, but um, it, it should be really exciting. I think that he's he's definitely lucky to be in a place like Medicine Hat. I think that you know you you hear really good things about the organization, and um, I'm really happy for for a to be there. I think that um, it's the right place for him, and uh, he'll develop well there. So, uh, should be an exciting season for everybody. I have to ask you about the names because everybody, including your sister, all your names start with O, and they're all very creative names. In fact, Ozzy might be the uh, the you know the least creative, I and mean, that's not a name you hear very often either. Uh, who who do you think of the brothers has the weirdest name, or who gets bugged about their name the most? Um, probably Orca. Just I don't know. We we bug him just because we call him an orca whale sometimes and for all that. So um, I don't know. I think everybody gets it a little bit, but yeah. probably orca or ocean. Did Did you ask your mom where she came up with these names? No, but I I should. Um, but I I don't know. My mom's kind of grown up as kind of a hippie, so um, <laughs> I, I think that she she likes just different unique names and. Uh, we're not complaining. I think it's pretty cool to have a name that uh, you basically never hear. So, pretty cool. That, that's right. You're you're not one of those kids in school like uh, John, who there's three Johns in your class or something like that. You never had that experience. No, I don't have that problem. Uh, now, for those who haven't uh, seen the uh, the feature that Sportsnet did, and I know it's been uh, reported several times, and there's lots of uh, stories about it. But your family dynamic with your mom, single mom, deaf. How does that evolve, or not evolve, but how does that influence you as the, uh, the way you grow up and the way you kind of approach things for you and your brothers? Yeah, I think that uh, my mom has has had the biggest influence on on myself and and my siblings. I think that uh, when you see how hard somebody works for something and uh, doesn't get that much out of it or or that much recognition, I think that. It, it definitely pushed me in my hockey career to, you know, hopefully one day pay her back for, for everything. And I, I think that, um, obviously the main goal is to make the NHL, but I think, you know, the day I'm able to, to kind of pay her back and get her a couple things, I think is, is the day that, you know, I kind of went in my, so, um, but she's, she's definitely been a special lady for us still to this day. So, um, you really can thank you enough. Uh, now you're uh, living in Calgary, but you uh, started off in BC. Did you have a favorite NHL team growing up? I don't know. I think that I haven't really had favorite teams. I've had a lot of favorite players on different teams. I mean, it, when I was a kid, I kind of switched right. um, probably every week. So uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say I have a favorite team, but I do have a lot of favorite players. All right. Well, maybe throw me a couple of those. Who who are the guys that you you look towards and admire the way they play? Um, I, I think that um, a guy like Crosby has been has been something I someone I've always looked up to, and you know how how big he is. He definitely plays bigger than than he is. Well, I mean, he he's so good in the corners, and um, you know his puck protection is probably the best in the world. So I think mm. that a guy like Crosby, and I don't know, I I think a guy like Zach Parise was a guy that I kind of looked up to when I was a when I was a kid. I think that. 
he, he's also, uh, I think, still a really underrated player in the NHL. So right. um, he, he's still on. Terrific. Well, listen, I hope uh, we get the WHL back up and running in early on December like they hope, and uh, fingers crossed that happens, and we'll get to see uh, get to see you and the Raiders back on the ice. Uh, thanks for taking the time, Ozzy. I wish you the best of luck. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Ozzy Weisblatt of the uh, Prince Albert Raiders, and definitely disappointing how things uh, ended and cut off the uh, the playoffs in the WHL last spring. It's the Raiders, defending champs, and they were one of the top teams uh, in the conference once again, and uh, they were going to be a tough out for anybody who had to play them uh, along the way in the playoffs, that's for sure. I guess you, you can't say that they're uh, not defending champions still. They, nobody else has won it, so maybe that carries over. Maybe uh, that's the way to look at it if you're a Raider fan. But uh, Weisblatt, a really fun player to watch, and I haven't seen all of the Weisblatt brothers play, but if there's one thing that's similar between uh, Orca and Ozzy, uh, it's that tenacity in their game, that edge that they play with, uh, and that's going to stand out for a lot of people. Again, not the biggest guys in the world, but boy, always in the mix and and uh, getting their nose dirty. Not easy guys to play against, and uh, Ozzy, he's got some skills, boy. Uh, you can tell by the way the uh, the stats have been piling up for him. He gets to play with good players in Prince Albert, but he is a good player all on his own, so it's not like he's riding off anybody else's coattails. Next up uh, on the Pipeline Show, we're going to uh, catch up with uh, an old friend of the program and, uh, well, an old partner of mine. Dean Millard is my guest. He joins me via the Troubled Monk Hotline next here on the Pipeline Show. Johnson stripped by Delandria, backhander, he scores! Short-headed goal for the rookie, Ty Delandria. It's 1-0 Flint. Hey, it's Ty Delandria from the Flint Firebirds. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week has a real dark side to it. Tell us more, bud. A world award-winning brown ale, Open Road, ale that will have you asking yourself why you've avoided dark beers all these years. Roasty and delicious. Play with comparable Zidane Chara, dependable and solid, and not to be looked past. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer and get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yeah, I heard about that thing on the AM radio. Oh, Back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Fleming, and we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Well, it doesn't uh, get any better than this as we uh, kind of go back in time here for the Pipeline Show. Former uh, partner, Dean Millard, uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show, uh, buddy. How are you? Uh, I am excellent. Uh, it's it's an honor to finally be on this show as, as a guest after uh, <laughs> uh, co-hosting so many episodes. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I had so much fun. When we did our show, uh, not just because I had to leave the studio at one point during an episode, uh, because we were <laughs> laughing so hard, but it gave us a chance to, you know, interview some of these guys for the first time. I remember going up to Steven Stamkos after he came into Edmonton and introducing myself. Uh-huh. And this is after Steven Stamkos, you know, had already played in the league and he remembered from the pipeline show. And he's like, that was one of the first interviews I ever did. And just that moment, I was like, wow, we are really interviewing these guys for the first time now maybe it's a little bit different now but back then we were one of only the few shows that did this 
Yeah, there are a lot, there's a lot more shows like it now, but back then when we started in 2006, I can't think of another show that was just focusing on, on prospects only. And of course, even that first little bit that we did was just beating the shit out of Oiler. just one Euler prospect for an hour. <laughs> just, yeah, that might have been a little over the top. But, yeah, well, uh, yeah. things evolve and uh, you, yeah. you kind of pivot a little bit. And, and I just want you want to know, would you like me to replicate that I'm at a bowling alley, that I'm eating ribs <laughs> or uh, smoking cigarettes like Theron Fleury did that whole time we uh, we interviewed him? But I think it was Robert Nielsen who was eating ribs one time. Yeah. Yeah, he was eating ribs, and I think Rob Shrimp was at a bowling alley. That's right, yeah. Uh, and yeah, Theo Fleur. There's been a few that have been. Uh, and quite honestly, there's. You can tell when some guys are driving or something, yeah. or they're only half paying attention. And yeah, they, well, after I mean, this is year 16 now yeah. the pipeline show there's uh there's been a lot of interviews and uh definitely some that are a, a lot more uh well way out there than uh than your standard one yeah sure. but some great ones too i mean like the, the i still reference the brian burke interview we did where he explained how that scene yeah. trade went down and you know some of those remember the rob shrimp one we did after he was all that in a bag of chips from craig mctavish uh-huh yeah there were some legendary interviews that we did do i i had a lot of fun on that show for sure I certainly miss the uh, the old days when we were both on the radio. <laughs> we'd go in studio and met, heck, we'd get the guys to come in studio with us. How many of those did we do? And that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I it just came up on Facebook the other day where we had Tyler Ennis and Mark Pesic in studio, and we got a really good picture. And right. I, I still have a, a Tyler Ennis uh, jersey that my wife actually bought in one of those auctions for me, unbeknownst to me. So it was great to get like when how many times. Uh, did we have Colton Pareko in studio? Like that was oh, amazing. And, and yeah. all the summer stuff we did where guys would come in, it was really, really, really fun and informative, I think, for the listeners. And it's unfortunate, yeah, that we're both, uh, not back on the air, but you know, I'm, I'm sure they have some really good ESPN programming from four hours <laughs> old that they could be running right now. So the, the, I mean, the pipeline show got bumped for the rerunning Jim Rome right. at, at not at a live time. And they don't even do that anymore. Yeah. I think that lasted like eight months or something like that. And, of course, we know what happened with the late-night show. Yeah, uh, that, that was a really fun lead-in to, to my late-night show, a rerun of Jim Rome. And then you wonder why the ratings aren't so good and they uh, they make changes. Yeah, I remember the first time we had Colton Pareko in. He, I think he was still with uh, the Alaska yes. Tanics. But he was like, well, he's always been massive, like 6'5", but he was a little bit thinner and he was just like nervous, shaking like a leaf yeah. to come and talk on the show like that. And, and so many of those guys, ah, it was just a blast. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, anyway, let's get to uh, more current events. And uh, now you're hosting like three or four different podcasts, aren't you? Yeah, I have uh, three of them on the go right now. One uh, took up taking a break because the Edmonton prospects, unfortunately, don't have a season like uh, so many other people. So it was kind of hard to... Justify doing a podcast when they weren't doing anything, but we do have track in the draft with uh, myself and Craig Button. Uh, sports and more, which is kind of the first one I had. Just had Grant Fuhrer on. That was such a fun conversation to have. Um, you know what, Guy? Interviewing Grant Fuhrer was more enjoyable than interviewing Andy Moog for me. Oh, what? Isn't that weird? <laughs> I can't believe that. Yeah, it, it was weird. Uh, I just, I, I just find uh, Grant is just so much more laid back in interviews and uh, it was, it was, it was, it was different, but I also had more time with, with Grant than I did with Andy. Did you bring up that you're more of an Andy Moog guy? That's how that I started. Were... I said, Grant, I, I will be honest with you. I did not like you as a kid because every time I went to Winnipeg to watch Andy Moog, you would play. So 
for the most childish of reasons, eight-year-old Dean Millard didn't like you. Forty-four-year-old Dean Millard really liked you. <laughs> I bet he loved that. that oh yeah, awesome. he, he got a he got a good chuckle out of that. Um, and yeah, and then the third podcast I do is called the Cannabis One Hundred and One Podcast, where it's um, you know with legalization, you know, cannabis is not something you should just be like, hey, I'm going to just try cannabis. I think you should learn a little bit about cannabis now that you can before you try that, uh, so that you don't have like numbers flying at you or you know you're seeing belly dancers or some weird right. things. I mean, you you should be very careful, I think, with cannabis, and it's kind of an educational slash entertainment show. Um, well, yeah, where we, we have a lot of fun and we try to educate people and then got a couple of more shows in the works. So, um, you know, it's, uh, we call it podcast alley. Uh, so we're trying to create as many shows under that umbrella, uh, as we can. So that's what I got going on right now. You can check it all out at podcastalley.ca. Thanks for the free plug. Hey, no worries. So the upcoming shows that you're still in the works, are they also sports related or are you branching out into other avenues too? How do you keep them all sort of different and unique? Uh, yeah, they're, uh, sports related. Um, one is a fantasy sports, uh, podcast that Jamie Thomas and I are working on. Uh, we've done a pilot episode. We're just kind of shopping it around to some different sponsors. And then, uh, the other one is uh, a little bit more of a baseball centric. Um, that one's just kind of more fun because I love baseball. Uh, but I do have a few things where I'm going to, you know, try to branch out to do some podcasts for some businesses. And, you know, uh, I have a, a really good setup as you, as you've seen before. I think yeah. I'm pretty good on the mic. So I think I could uh, represent a company pretty well in getting their, uh, their word out there. So, you know, I am available for that voice work. I, I do a couple of podcasts for some different people that just come and record and I do some editing for them. So kind of like a one stop podcast shop that I'm, uh, that I'm looking at. Excellent. All right. Well, podcastalley.ca for the website, and you can follow Dino on uh, Twitter at DuckMillard. All right. Let's get to uh, what we were going to chat about today, and that's specifically about tracking the draft, yeah, your show uh, that you do with uh, Craig Button from uh, TSN, and it's fairly new. What, in the last uh, couple of months you've uh, sort of put this together? Yeah, only eight episodes. Um, Craig is so fun. I remember you telling me, actually, you went to a Roadrunners game, and you sat oh, aside. Whole season. Yeah. That whole season. You sat beside Craig Button, and I couldn't go to as many of those games because I was at Global, but I remember you coming back after, like, the first couple of times and saying, man, this guy is so nice. I mean, like, he's helpful and everything, and I didn't – I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then when I started doing the night show on TSN, Craig was a regular with me on Tuesday, and he was so great to work with. When I got let go, he actually reached out to me and said, hey, you know, what can I do to help? What can we do? So he joined me a little bit on some of the live shows that I was trying to get going and then just had to focus on some other things. And then I had this idea and I just reached out to him and I said, would you like to do it? And he's like, yes, I'm I'm on board. So um, the, the great thing about Craig is that everything he does, he puts everything into it. Like he doesn't go through the motions with this show at all. Uh, I've heard a few of the episodes and – I mean, anybody who has heard Craig Button talk about prospects before knows what he does and how thorough he is. And he's not afraid to have a differing opinion than, you know, might go against the grain a little bit with the rest of the uh, independent scouts and, and things like that. But he's he is very genuine and, and straightforward. And that season, I got to sit with him uh, for uh, watching the Empton Roadrunners during the NHL lockout that year. That was fantastic. I, I just learned a lot just by osmosis, just from sitting next to him. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know what? It is exactly it. He's, he's a genuine guy. So he doesn't, he's not fake when he's talking about it. He's not afraid to go against the grain. Remember where he had Jake for Tannen? Uh, not off the top of my head, but like, I remember he had him way down, didn't he? Like, yeah. Like he, 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 there are a lot of people who liked him a lot more than he did. 
I, I may be exaggerating, but I think he might have had Jake for ten, and in like the thirties or the second round or something like yeah. that. It was it was so he's not afraid to do that, and we do talk about that. I mean, you know, we, we just had uh, uh, Yoki Nevalainen from Dauber Prospects. He kind of joined us from Finland for this episode, and it was interesting to hear Craig and Yoki maybe differ a little bit on some of the prospects. And, you know, Anton Lundell is a guy we talked about. A lot of people have this guy in the top 10. I think he's kind of the safe pick of uh, of the the thir- first round because he is so responsible defensively. But Craig mm-hmm. has him at 16. So he doesn't, you know, he's not afraid where he feels a guy should be to put him there. And, and I think there's a lot of people that not, I shouldn't say a lot. There are some scouts out there that put guys in places for shock value. I think they honestly do to make people think, oh, my goodness, I don't think Craig cares. Oh, I know Craig doesn't care about that. He puts his lineup together the way he thinks it is. He doesn't care if your lineup is different. That's how he sees it. And that's what scouts do. Like, scouts value players differently, right, all the time. Well, and that's what we see play out on draft day as well, where a team might pick a guy. Hey, who was the LA Kings pick that they took fourth overall that year? Thomas Hickey, that's right. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, what are they doing? Well, they, they happen to feel that strongly about that particular player, and that's that's why we see the draft unfold the way it does. And and you get uh, oh now the name is escaping me uh, before Pulleyarvi that year. Remember Pierre Luc Dubois? Used? No, no, Pierre, no, no. Pierre Luc Dubois. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm just react, reenacting my meltdown that I had that day. Oh, that was great. I love that somebody said the other day, like, every time I hear that clip, I think, uh, every time I hear Pierre-Luc Dubois, I hear, I think of that clip on the Pipeline show. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Uh, um, all right. So, so far you've, uh, you were just talking about Yoko Nevalani for the, uh, oh, I forget, butchered his name now from Dauber that uh, you have on this week, but who have you had on in the past or is it usually just you and Craig? Yeah, it's just Craig and I for the most part, and um, it was Craig's idea. Yoki had you know reached out and said, "Hey, I really like this podcast on on Twitter," and and Craig reached out to me and said, "We should get him on, and we should get some of these different guys on every once in a while, just to you know, especially for some of the European guys that you know Craig isn't seeing every day like some of these guys." So it was it was his idea to get Yoki on this week, and we fe- featured all Finnish prospects. Uh, but normally it's just Craig and I. Um, I do a little setup at the beginning where can I explain the players, some news and notes. And then how we do it is the first uh, segment with Craig is called Top Shelf Talent. So that's guys uh, in Craig's top 40 on the Craig's list that, you know, could go in the first round. Not to say that guys outside of the top 40 couldn't, but as of right now. Uh, the next segment we do is called the next wave. So that's anybody outside of the first round, basically, uh, or undrafted players. And then we do something called time machine, uh, yeah. where Craig takes a player from this year's draft, eligible for this year's draft, compares it to somebody that's, you know, already in the NHL or, you know, he told a great story about drafting, uh, Marty Turco on the, the, one of the first episodes. Uh, and, and also in time machine, we zoom ahead, uh, thanks to, uh, the, uh, flux capacitor. And then we see, um, we take kind of a peek at the, the 2021 draft. So trying to surface every, uh, service everybody. And, you know, like, like we both said, there is a ton of prospect shows out there. So we're trying to make ours just a little bit different in, as far as the, uh, the format. And, and then we do a little trivia segment. And we're also going to do 
uh, scouting tips from Craig in the next little while. Um, he's actually involved. Uh, I'm, I'm involved in the this uh, uh, ultimate franchise uh, fantasy sports. It's a uh, hockey. They're branching out to MMA. It's high stakes fantasy, um, and it it's, it's, uses the blockchain. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's amazing. Anyway, they have a scouting program. My wife actually hired Craig Button for real to be her head scout in her agency. So Craig gives her lists. She bids on the players. And then, like, so she bought Shane Wright for $525 US. Wow. And when Shane Wright gets auctioned off for, like, $2,000 and, and gets in the NHL, she will actually make that cash. Like, Bowen Byram went for $800 in this thing. Like, it is... It is next level thinking. So anyway, where I'm going is Craig is actually participating in this. And that's where I say this guy is so genuine and puts everything into it. So not only is he is helping me with the show, he's helping my wife uh, build a scouting agency in fantasy hockey. So it's, oh it's, gosh. it's kind of a lot of fun, um, for us to, to discuss these players and then give these scouting tips for some of the other people, you know, and, and just in general, like, you know, like we go to watch players all the time. And when we used to sit with the scouts, it was awesome because we could pick their brain about yeah. what are they looking for? What are they watching for? So just another feature of the show that we have where Craig can kind of give wannabe scouts or people that are looking to get into that uh, industry a few, a few pointers. It's, it's always what I've said about, well, for me personally, I'm not a scout. I, you know, I host a show that's right. about prospects and sure I'll have an opinion, but I can't, I don't watch the game like a scout watches the game. I don't know if I can. Uh, I'd like to think that I could if I, you know, I had the proper tutelage on how to do it. But as of right now, I just watch the game as a broadcaster and mm-hmm. largely a fan. And that's different than the way they do it. So I'm looking forward to seeing or hearing how he breaks down how he watches a game and, and how he picks apart players. That'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it'll be good. And just another, you know, a uh, piece of Craig button that he's willing to share with everybody, right? Pay, I think pay it forward might be his, uh, his main mantra because uh, he actually came up with that idea. He's like, why don't we do this for them? And then it just makes it even bigger. So the, the guy is a saint as far as I'm concerned. Now he's, he's on other shows as well. So how do you keep yours making sure yours is different uh, from uh, the other shows that he appears on and what he does for TSN, obviously. And do you know, uh, like how long are you going to go? Is this up to the draft and do you take a break after that or what's the plans moving forward? Yeah, we, um, I, I don't, I don't worry too much. I think our format is, uh, is different enough than anybody else. So I'm not too worried about, like, like we waited to do Alexei Lafreniere until the draft lottery so that we could talk about what team, uh, he was. So, uh, you know, really, I just kind of go off the Craigslist and be like, yeah, I like, I want to talk about this guy this week. And I don't worry too much about what everybody else is doing, more about making sure we do it the right way. And like I said, our format, is kind of set up a little bit differently, and uh, you know we're we're gonna go till the uh, the draft this year, and you know we we plan is to just start up kind of like what you and I did uh, with season two uh, of the Pipeline Show. We'll probably take a, a couple of weeks off, uh, and it all depends too on when the junior seasons start up. Like, yep. is the queue still gonna start in October? That's what they say. Oh man, I don't get that. Anyway, we'll, we'll do this year and then we'll start with, uh, season two, uh, you know, at some point, uh, when we look ahead to, uh, the next draft. That's the, the plan anyway right now and, uh, we're, we'll go from there. But yeah, the plan is to, to kind of keep this kind of long term and every season, every draft is a, as a new season. All right. Well, that's tracking the draft. And again, podcastalley.ca. 
Uh, Dino, uh, with the uh, the uncertainty of the start of the junior and college seasons, uh, just your thoughts on when do you think we uh, get uh, hockey back again? Let alone, you know, we got the NHL going right now, but might they even not come back in December like they hope to? Well, here's the thing. You know, I, I talked to somebody uh, the other day uh, with a, a NHL team, and the the owners are are worried because I don't know, like. Major League Baseball doesn't make um, as much off ticket sales as, say, hockey. Like, NHL teams, their biggest supplier is ticket sales. Like, they make a lot of their money off ticket sales. I don't. Like, either there's going to be a massive reduction, rollback in salaries on the players' behalf, or they might not play. Like, I don't know how you can go – you're not paying the players in the playoffs so you can get away with it. I don't know how you can pay out – $85 million without that income coming in. I mean, you know, the, the Winnipeg Jets have one of the richest owners in the NHL, and I bet you they're still concerned. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a juggernaut. They have to be concerned. So I don't know. And and I don't know what the, the Q is thinking. Um, I don't know why the CHL doesn't just say no. All our leagues are starting on December, and and I don't know what the actual configuration is, if they're allowed to do that or if they're just kind of like a, a regulating body. But – Every league should be starting at the same time. And um, in, in North America, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with uh, college sports and eligibility and things like that. You know, if you're a college player that was only going to be a one-and-done guy and they're not having a season, wouldn't you be looking at Europe right now? Uh, the high-end players might consider that. But then, you yeah. know, when Austin Matthews did that, that became the question, well, is that going to be a – is he going to be a trendsetter? But then you have to realize that those teams over there might only have one or two spots for import players, and sure. who's going to give it up to a 17 or an 18 year old or a 19 year old? You got to be a pretty darn good player, and that that shortens the list of candidates down a lot, I would think. Yeah, I'm thinking of those guys like uh, like Danny Heatley, right? Like that that guy. I think his his uh, his GPA was like a negative. Like I, I that's a, <laughs> I, I don't I, I'm not even sure if Danny Heatley ever went into any classes at uh, Wisconsin. I I know he wouldn't return Brent Sutter's calls when he. Uh, was trying to when they had his rights in the WHL. Uh, so from what I heard, he wasn't the biggest college student. So for a guy like that, or you know, some of these other guys that are that are probably going to be one and done, I would be looking uh, at Edme, talking to my advisor, and saying, "Hey, let's look into Europe. If you know, if BU's not going to play, or there's not going to be college hockey, what the hell are you supposed to do? Like I know Alexei Lafreniere is not going to report to." Uh, the Ruski camp. Well, that's you know whatever he's going to get ready for for the Rangers because he's not coming back. But yeah. if I'm a college player, I'm and I'm worried about the season. I'd be looking at that in the CHL. I wouldn't worry about it as too much. I think um, that the uh, they but but then again, if there's no fans, this is the this is the plight of the Edmonton prospects. Uh, these junior teams don't have massive TV deals. They don't have a, a $12 billion TV deal like the NHL, right? So they rely on ticket revenue. So even if you're a junior player, you might be looking at going overseas right now because I, I don't know how you feel about uh, COVID, and I'm not trying to make this uh, a COVID issue, but I have serious doubts about uh, you know, 15,000, 18,000 people being in the same building in December. Oh man, I got a high school kid. Yeah. We're uh, a yeah. little worried about that starting up here, and uh, I got you know you know my daughter Julia. Sure. She's got medical issues, so we're we're awfully concerned about that. You mentioned in the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Some of the Junior A leagues in Canada are are supposed to be starting up fairly soon too. Manitoba is one of them. The USHL 
is, uh, well, players are reporting to their local teams right, or their right. respective teams in mid-September. They, they hope to have uh, training camps and uh, exhibition games in mid-October and starting November 6th. I looked it up and like just the state of Iowa has more new cases uh, than the entire country of Canada <laughs> does. And th- that's, that's one state. Uh, Crazy. I, I, it's just a different mindset. It seems like south of the border, and you look at Washington and and Oregon from a WHL perspective, and I don't know how you're going to get uh, those uh, those five franchises uh, involved in the league this year, and the players coming across the border. How do you handle that? Well, one? it won't happen. It, it can't happen. You're you're gonna if this is what my prediction of junior hockey is going to be this year. You play your own division, like what Major League Baseball is doing, but without the the well, there's no border travel. I don't think you're like I think the U.S. division is going to be playing them against each other. The B.C. division will play as much as they can, and then the the, the provinces, just like uh, you know, other teams were going to do that in, uh, in in different leagues. Like I don't think you'll see unless uh, like some miracle vaccine appears. I don't think you're going to see the American teams. Uh, coming across the border. And, and as far as like the Manitoba Junior Hockey League start trying to start up so early, I don't know what they're thinking. Like the, there, there's been a bit of a spike. Uh, you know, I, I, I think they maybe have it under control, but certainly in Brandon where my dad lives, there was a, a, a bit, pretty big spike and there was some concern in Manitoba. So yeah, listen, I, I tweeted it yesterday when, when the NBA teams and, and some of the major league baseball teams decided not to play. Life is more important than sport. If you can't handle your team taking a night off or, you know, even one season off, then, then I, you know, I think you really need to uh, look at your priorities because there is, there is no way a spike in this disease is worth any sport season. That's my opinion. And I was the guy that would never shut the TV off during dinner to watch a sporting event. And obviously your priorities change as you get older and you realize that there's some things more important. So I, I got to say to a lot of these leagues, I wouldn't even be looking at starting until December, and I'm not even sure that's going to go off. Uh, Dino, well said. I appreciate your time today, man. Great to catch up once again. Uh, hey, wear, uh, wash your hands and wear your mask and uh, stay safe, bud. A hundred percent. And uh, you know what? If you get hungry, go find a delicious uh, Asian box uh, as, uh, as a, uh, a meal because – it forced me to leave the studio some point, and you just might have to pull out that clip. I might. I don't know if Badass Jax is even open anymore. To be, I don't even know either. Oh, oh this Let's is great, man. Thanks for the uh, the chat today. Uh, always appreciate it, and uh, always good to catch up with you, my friend. Ah, uh, Dean Millard, that was a lot of fun to uh, go back and uh, almost almost like going back in time and chatting with a good friend about uh, the beginnings of this show and how it evolved over time and, of course, what he's doing now. And uh, you should check out all of the shows that he's uh, a part of, but that new one with Craig Button is a a pretty cool one, and he just posted this week's episode, so uh, check that out. Uh, Find uh, Dino uh, online and uh, check out his website as well. That does it for this week's episode of the show. Thanks to all three of the guests that you heard. We uh, had just uh, spoke with uh, Dean Millard. Before that, we heard... Uh, Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota, as well as Ozzie Weisblatt of the Prince Albert Raiders. Both of those guys eligible for the upcoming 2020 NHL draft. Uh, Next week on the show, probably at least I hope to have a couple more uh, draft eligible players. And you can let me know the answer to the question of the week, which was uh, tell me a guess that you haven't heard on the show for a while that I should uh, circle back to. Or if there's somebody I haven't had on the show that you think I should, maybe I can set that up 
with that person in time for next week's show or uh, an upcoming one as well. Quick thank you again to everybody who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. The three interviews that you just finished hearing on this full episode, they were all individually available to patrons probably an hour or two after uh, the interviews were done on uh, Wednesday and Thursday of this past week. They're available early access to patrons before the full episode is released on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. And if that sounds like something that would interest you to get early access and hear segments of the show, and they're full segments, it's the full episode or the full interview. Uh, if that interests you to hear it before a lot of other people do, uh, then uh, why don't you check out patreon.com slash the pipeline show and see if it's the right fit for you. A couple of bucks a month is all it takes and uh, you can have early access as well. All right, signing off for this week. Uh, we will catch up with you next week. Until then, uh, take care of each other. Take care of your neighbors. Treat each other with respect. And uh, we'll get through all these strange days uh, together and come out on the other side as better people for it. Until next week, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya. See ya.